There was a lot to talk about. Yeah, we've been talking for a couple hours. <laughs> we we've probably already should like, had a glass of wine. <laughs> Surprise! We had, we didn't even have time to drink because we were too busy chatting. Yeah, been it's been a few weeks. <laughs> Apparently, we had a lot to talk about. Anyways, hello everybody. Welcome to Tipsy Tales. Um, I'm your host, Alma, and I am Carlene Higgins. Once again, joining us. You guys apparently enjoyed Carlene's little <laughs> visit the last time because we got a lot of listenership on the last episode. So, yay! yay. Carlene is going to be a permanent host. <gasps> yay! Everybody. All right. Well, how was your week? My week was pretty not too eventful, but I mean, I have my daughter home for the summer now from college. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited about that. I bet. My house is destroyed right now. Right. So I have a lot of organizing and more organizing and cleaning to do. But that's okay. I got my daughter back. It's always nice to have your chicks back in the nest. And then when she leaves, I have to readjust to her being gone. To the silence. Yeah, I haven't had much silence. No. Yeah, it's been a few weeks since um, I've actually put out a podcast. So, um, and there's been so much going on in the background, trying to maintain our already existing business and then try to grow this little fledgling business that I have going on. And the three-year-old so the podcast kind of got pushed to the side so I wouldn't go insane so um and anyways I I also wanted to mention that I'm switching over to every other week instead of every week so that way I have more time to put together a better podcast for everybody so that's a great idea yeah I mean it's a little overwhelming and I think that when the idea came to do this it didn't include a three-year-old right Absolutely. No, it did not. I had a lot more time on my hands. So it's very simple solution. Readjust. Right. Exactly. We have to do that from time to time. That's right. <laughs> it's okay. We got this. Well, I'm already slurring. <laughs> I'm just trying to not have um, any crazy words or voice sounding things. I don't know. You're going to have to cut a lot out. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Just ask people, do I sound crazy? Oh, do I sound crazy? Let me put on my radio voice. Hello. Uh (laughs) Are you going to talk about sweaty balls again? K-O-Y-T, and we're here to talk about sweaty balls. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to make that a thing now. Every single time we do a podcast, we're going to have to bring up sweaty balls. I'm going to find a recipe for sweaty balls. Okay, so every time Philip's on the podcast, Uh we talk about boobies. Oh, (laughs) And we just did it when I, I... as a matter of fact, I guest hosted on Philip's podcast this week on My Cellulite Heart. For anybody that's gone over and listened to Philip's podcast, you might want to go take a yeah, listen definitely. because we talked about um, possessed vehicles. Oh. Yeah. Is this the person that doesn't believe? You know what's funny is we were talking and he was like, because he listened to that episode. And he's like, I can't believe you told her that I don't believe. <laughs> He's like, because I literally told you, I kind of do believe. And I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't remember that. Oh, all right. Because all you need is a little. A little. Just a little. I think everybody has experienced 
something. I don't think there's anybody that can actually honestly say they haven't experienced some kind of a spiritual, paranormal, whatever it might be. Even if they're like, I'm an atheist, they have experienced some weirdness. And I think they choose to brush it off as the lights flickered. Oh, there's a wiring problem. Right. I felt somebody touch me. Oh, there must have been a bug on me. So everybody has experienced something, but it's easier to think a logical explanation for it rather than what it actually is. Well, and I sent you that picture because my mom was like, oh, can you do my dresser or whatever? And I was like, "Okay, yeah, sure. Send me a picture. I can't really picture it in my head right now. And then I'll like get some ideas. So she sent me a couple of pictures. Well, actually, my sister sent them to me on my mom's phone. See, right now. Tickle on my head. Are you going to tickle? I don't have lice. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, so mind you that my dad's urn is on the dresser. And there's like these orby things right there. And they're kind of just taking up the whole picture. And my sister's like, I don't know what's wrong with mom's phone. I'm going to send you a picture on my phone. Mm. And so it was much clearer. Mm. So I was like, and that's my dad. He likes to. Yeah, I think that's who's touching my head right now. Honestly, I I love how people, even in movies, I'll see energies flying around and I'll think, how do they not? I mean, maybe they see it and they just don't know what it is. But more than likely, people just don't see it. Right. So you like when you're watching a movie, you'll see like orbs. Yeah. When there was a bombing and. France. Uh-huh. The president was talking, mm-hmm. and while he was talking, there were all kinds of energies flying behind him. So I videoed right. what I was watching, and I tried to show people, like, look at all of this that's flying around him, because he was getting assistance from the other side oh. to help him. Most people don't see that. That's crazy. I'm gonna have to go back and see if I can see it on YouTube now. Yeah, I've now even everybody's watched... gonna be doing the same thing. <laughs> I've even watched just shows, and I'm like. Oh my God, I shall tell the kids, like, did you see that? There was, there's a giant light. I don't call them orbs, but a giant energy just flew by. How do your kids react to it? They love it. Oh, today, Allie, because I was showing her what I'm going to do mine on, and I was, we were watching stuff, and (laughs) she gets, she laughs, because even when I'm at home and I'm videoing for other people or just for myself, I get, I act like it's the first time I've ever seen spirit. So right. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's one. Oh my God. Oh, look. So that's what I was doing. I'm like, did you see that one? Oh my God, that was huge. There's a bunch right there. And she, she just kept laughing at me. They love it. They're used to it. Right. So I think of like the Long Island medium and like how when she has her kids or somebody. It's exactly would... that. When she first came out, I was really happy. And I remember telling my kids, look, she's me Mm -hmm. and her kids are you. And it's all relatable now. Like we're not alone. Her kids acted just like my kids with it. And she was me, of course. You guys, I've been with Carlene. Like, we've gone out to lunch before, and she's gone up to talk to people kind of the same <laughs> as the Long Island medium. She's, like, gone up and had a whole conversation with them. I'm just like, okay, what should I do? <laughs> and I have some people that go to lunch only to hope that I will walk up to, so that they can watch me work. Really? Yeah, I didn't realize that was happening. But I have people that were, they're, they're almost, like, sitting there waiting to see. Uh-huh. 
if and I'll, I'll call them out like are you waiting to see if I'm gonna read somebody here well I was kind of hoping I love to watch you work that's funny it is fun though but I don't like my sister will say I'm coming to lunch with you not spirit right no spirit allowed. And so you honor that, or do you ever get the itch while you're I've with gotten her? the itch, but <laughs> I have to just, like, focus. Right. I bet you that's hard. I've gotten better at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Carlene brought wine today. Um, she brought Tingui Cellars Via Central Harmonier. Is that what that is? You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty good. At first, we were like... How but it kind of grows on it. you. Yeah, but it actually, it's pretty good. It just needs to breathe. Yeah, it did. It did. Yummy. Definitely not drinking it as fast as the other bottle. No, that no, we did. By the time we had started doing the podcast, <laughs> I think we were a little silly already. We were. And that bottle was like drinking Kool-Aid. It was pretty strong. I don't think this one's the same alcohol level as that one. It was sweet. It really, it was so smooth. It just went right down and it was like more. Like, are you playing footsie with me? But it's, it's actually shorty. <laughs> the dog starts she's licking so your toes. She's, she's like scratching herself. So her little butt started vibrating and I just like looked down. I was like, what the hell is going on? I didn't even Car- realize she was in here. Carlene's gifted. <laughs> I was like, Carlene. I'm going to have you over more often. <laughs> Honestly, we haven't even had that much wine yet. No, we haven't. Um, so anyways, I'm going to start things out with our true crime and we'll switch over to you. I can't wait to hear your story because you are super excited about it. Wait. And mine's a little long. So is, how's yours? Is mine's it long? short. Okay. Okay. So if I run long, I'm not going to feel too bad. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, everybody in advance. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> You're so silly. Okay. All right, go. All right. Bonnie and Clyde. Have you heard the story of Bonnie and Clyde? Have you seen on Netflix, I believe, the movie with um, Woody Harrelson? Huh? Kevin Costner? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good movie because it's not just focused on Bonnie and Clyde, but it's about about the lawman chasing them down. I like that. I liked it. Two good actors. And how they like glorified Bonnie and Clyde. Not the lawman, but the media and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And I mean, they were kind of like the sexy cup couple that did back really then in bad the 30s things. yeah did really, well we were just talking about that other couple on the last episode that we did together the girl the ghost in the hotel oh and they were kind of the yes, same scamming people yes yeah. they were well, like a, well, a less version yeah <laughs> these guys rob banks but kind of that same relationship right all right so Bonnie Elizabeth Parker and Clyde Champion Barrow, who both met their demise on May 23rd, 1934. That day's actually coming up. Um, near Gibsland, Bienville Parish, Louisiana. They are possibly the most famous and most romanticized criminals in American history. Which is it. true. If you, especially if you watch that movie, it shows just how romanticized well, they Well, there was were. that scene where they like were chasing them down in that town and they're like kind of waiting out for them yes and all of a sudden everybody just start because they come into town swarming. and everybody starts swarming and fall. it was like okay what's and going? then it was even like after they, even after they died like how sick was that yeah i'm gonna get into that oh yeah. my god Ooh. okay i can't wait all right so they were known for more than a dozen bank robberies and a slew of murders during the great depression 
Their exploits captured the attention of the American public during the public enemy era between 1931 and 1934, and they are believed to have killed at least nine police officers and several civilians. I like how it was specific about the police officers and not about the civilians. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's what I got. Um, Let's start with Bonnie. Born Bonnie Elizabeth Parker in 1910. In Rowena, Texas, she was the second of three children. Her father, Charles Robert Parker, was a bricklayer. Um, He died when Bonnie was four. Her widowed mother, Emma Krause Parker, moved her family back to her parents' home in Cement City in Texas, an industrial suburb now known as West Dallas. Oh, she worked there as a seamstress. In her second year in high school, Parker met Roy Thornton, they dropped out of school and were married on September 25th, 1926. I bet that was pretty common back then. Yeah, they did. They married early, had kids early. They did not graduate. Yeah, a especially lot of them women. Didn't graduate. Mm-hmm. So six days before her 16th birthday. Their marriage didn't last very long. Um, his frequent absences and brushes with the law made it a uh, very short-lived romance. In school, Bonnie Parker liked to make up songs and stories. She also liked to write poems. Once she was on the run with Clyde, she had plenty of new material to write about. Stewing in jail for a short spell in April of 1932, Bonnie wrote 10 poems that she grouped as poetry from life's other side. They were poems about the lives of criminals and the women who suffered because of them. Bonnie continued to write her poems as the Barrow Gang moved towards its inevitable end. Written shortly before her death, the autobiographical poem called The End of the Line showed no illusions about her and Clyde's situation. They don't think they're too smart or desperate. They know the laws always wins. They've been shot at before, but they do not ignore that death is the wages of sin. Someday they'll go down together and they'll bury them side by side. Ooh, I just got goosebumps. To a few it'll be grief, to the law a relief, but it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. She wrote that? Yeah. Well, because they make it sound like they thought they were above everything and that nothing bad could happen to them. Right. So I'm kind of happy to hear that because it humanizes them more. Yeah, Yeah, at least she was conscious of you know the situation that they were in i was actually reading another article it was talking about that bonnie was only in it because she loved clyde i could see that that happens with a lot of women that get in trouble with their man they're only doing what he wants and they're probably very codependent he probably had a lot she probably had a lot of daddy issues she didn't have dad right because her dad passed away yeah so she was he was looking for that male influence in her life um with our Google degree. I love psychoanalyzing <laughs> our psychos. We did that with the last one. Yeah, we did. Clyde Champion Barrow, his middle name is Champion, was born in 1909 into a poor farming family in Ellis County, Texas, near Talico, a town just southeast of Dallas. He was the fifth of seven children of Henry Basil Barrow and Kumi Talitha Walker. I love these names. They're, they're, I'm glad you're doing it and not me. <laughs> oh, we've I've had worse. <laughs> um, the family migrated piecemeal to Dallas in the early 1920s. Clyde was the first arrested at the age of 17 in late 1926 after running when police confronted him over a rental car. He had failed to return on time. His second arrest with Brother Buck came soon after this time for possession of stolen goods. Turkeys. They stole turkeys. They were hungry? Yeah. (laughs) Despite having legitimate jobs, well, 
they had legitimate jobs, so maybe they were in were it for the thrill. Were they just doing it for entertainment? Sounds like. During the period 1927 through 1929, he also cracked safes, robbed stores, and stole cars. So it sounds like he kind of had They just like to steal. Yeah. As a boy born into the family of a poor farmer, Clyde Bud Barrow's love, great love was music. Bud loved to sing and play an old guitar on the farm. He taught himself how to play the saxophone. Sax was actually in the car when they got shot down. Oh, I did not know that. And it seems as if he might pursue a career in music. Influenced negatively by his older brother, Buck, as well as a shady friend of the family, it wasn't long before Bud's interests turned from playing songs to stealing cars. After sequential arrests in 1928 and 1929, Clyde was sent at the age of 21 to Easton Prison Farm in April 1930. While in prison, Beryl retaliated for being repeatedly sexually assaulted by attacking and killing his tormentor with a lead pipe fatally crushing his skull well i learned something i did not know that they had ever been i didn't know that they had ever been incarcerated that they either a, one of them yeah he had well and she was arrested at one point right yeah he had a criminal history this was barrow's first killing another inmate already serving life sentence took the blame he was already serving life so and he, oh, well, he, he didn't have anything to do. yeah nice. had his whole life ahead of him to avoid hard labor in the fields, Barrow had another inmate use an axe to chop off his toes. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scratching. <laughs> he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. Yeah. Of course he did. Without Barrow knowing, his mother had successfully petitioned a release for him, which took place six days after his intentional injury. Oh. You know, six- we were talking about karma. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. You literally didn't have to do that, bud. (laughs) In January 1930, Clyde met 19-year-old Bonnie Parker through a mutual friend. So now she's already like a lady of the world, probably. Like, she's 19. She was married at 16, right? After spending much time together during the following weeks, their romance was cut short when Clyde was arrested and convicted for auto theft. In 1930, Barrow escaped Easton Prison Farm using a weapon Bonnie Parkey had... Bonnie Parkey? (laughs) Bonnie Parker had smuggled to him. Shortly after, he was recaptured and was sent back to prison. He was later paroled on February 2nd, 1932. Barrow, at nearly age 23, emerged from Eastham as a hardened and bitter criminal. So after this, he was... That was it. He was, he was hardcore. That, yeah. After Barrow was released from prison in February 1932, he and Ralph Fultz assembled a rotating core group of associates. The two began a series of small robberies, primarily of stores and gas stations. Their goal was con- to collect enough money and firepower to launch a raid against Eastern Prison to free the prisoners. So, wow, they were going to let them all loose. Yeah. On April 19th, Bonnie Parker and Fultz were ca- recaptured or captured in a failed hardware store burglary in Kaufman, Texas, in which they had intended to steal firearms and were subsequently jailed. While Parker was, so this was Bonnie, while Parker was released in a few months after the grand jury failed to indict her, Fultz was tried, convicted, and served time. He never rejoined the game. Am I the only one who didn't know that they kept getting caught so many times? Because I thought they got away with so much. Did you know that? Uh, I think I watched, I only know because I watched something last year. They did another special, I don't, it wasn't a special, it was actually a movie on Netflix and it was Bonnie and Clyde, but I knew they had kind of gone in and out, but mostly Clyde. Yeah, I just didn't know that they had been caught so many times. 
that doing stuff. I thought they had that it just away was like lot. a big spree. Yeah, yeah, this was over like several years. Holy cow, I didn't know that. On April 30th, Barrow was the driver in a robbery in Hillsboro, Texas, during which the store's owner, J.N. Butcher, was shot and killed. When shown mugshots, the victim's wife identified Barrow as one of the shooters, although he had stayed outside in the car. So this is when their notoriety really begins. Um, it was the first time in the crime spree that Barrow was accused of murder. On August 5th, while Parker, and I think that's probably why they, that the, other than um, the cops, mm-hmm. is so dubious because some of it, like people were like, oh yeah, it was him, it was him. Mm. You know what I mean? On August 5th, while Parker was visiting her mother in Dallas, Sparrow, Raymond, Hamilton, and Ross Dyer were drinking. Dyer were. Dyer were drinking. Dyer were drinking. Were drinking. uh, (laughs) Drinking alcohol. (laughs) Just like, wait a minute. (laughs) We are drinking alcohol. (laughs) Um, Dyer were drinking right now. Uh, (laughs) You're welcome, everybody. (laughs) Actually, I, I spoke too soon about that being strong. Um, it's kind of sneaking up. But it's gotten fruitier. Like, the more it breathes, uh-huh. it's getting, like, even a little fruitier. I kind of like this wine. I didn't think I would. Growing on me. Yeah, me too. But maybe that's because we've had a couple glasses. So, Raymond Hamilton and Ross Dyer were drinking alcohol at a country dance in Stringtown, Oklahoma, when Sheriff C.G. Maxwell and his deputy, Eugene C. Moore, not C. Moore, Eugene C. Moore, all these dang freaking middle <laughs> names, freaking Southern. <laughs> you know, growing up, my dad would always say, if you didn't know somebody's name, you would just like raise your hand and go, hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're so. <laughs> That's kind of what my little guy does out here. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, we'll just... over there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he we're makes gonna... up half the sentence. Next time we go to lunch, that's what we're going to do. Just to random people. People! <laughs> just a random people. <laughs> Can you? We're just going to. Yeah, we're gonna. Somebody will walk in the door, and we're gonna be like, "Hi." They'll be like, "Who me?" <laughs> Hi. Has any have, has somebody ever come up to you? They yes. like, They say hello, and you yes. have no idea who they are. And you just like try to wing it until you remember oh who God. the hell they are. Yes, I gotta tell you what happened. I was at Daddy-O's. My niece works there, and I'm talking to her in-laws, and this group of belly dancers walk in, and. The I the one lady's checking me out hardcore, oh, and wow. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I see so many people that I won't recognize anybody from Tuesday to Tuesday. I don't know who you are. So anyway, ground music for you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she keeps checking me out, and then more belly dancers come in, and the lady says, "Hey, I I think that's." Carlene over there we should go say hi and the other lady says no that's not her I think it's somebody that just looks like her and I'm like oh my god they even said my name I have no idea who those women are I honestly believe that I look like a Carlene that they knew and the other chick was like no that's not Carlene or maybe I saw them in a group setting or something and I truly was the Carly <laughs> and you just can't remember no and I seriously was just like oh my god just I'm gonna look away or I'm gonna hurry up and head out because I don't 
want to have to guess at what their names are. It's so embarrassing when somebody walks up to you and they're, oh, yeah. listen, honestly, everybody does it. So I've had times that um, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I, I don't know I've who done you it are. all the time. I am the worst person for names. Mm-hmm, like we'll see somebody at the mall or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, what's her name? What's her name? What's yeah. her? And the more you try to remember, the, the worse, worse it gets. <laughs> And it's then like you try and get them to tongue. say it. Have you tried to get to so where you're like, this is my son. And you're like, and then you're hoping that they're going to say, oh, hi, I'm Susie. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is Susie. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is Susie, my so-and-so. Haven't seen you in so long. Oh, my God. We're sick. Uh, I hate it. Listen, everybody, don't judge because you are doing the same thing. <laughs> I think it gets worse with kids. Like you oh. lose brain cells once you have babies. I, I that's what I'm gonna blame. You it know on. when they that's say my story it's and I'm sticking to it. Pregnancy, memory loss, or whatever they say. Have you heard that? Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. That like pregnancy fog. Oh, really? Pregnancy fog. Oh, yeah. Good. It's a thing. Yes, it is a thing. Yay. But I don't think it goes away. I think we have our kids and the fog is permanent. I mean, you literally only have so much RAM. You know, like some stuff just like goes into that special unused folder and then it just deletes. Right. By the way, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. And happy, happy Mother's, Mother's Day, Day to everybody out there. Absolutely. Happy Mother's Day to all of our listeners. But you lack of, you have lack of sleep, that brain fog. You have, listen, your kids have sucked the life. <laughs> Not only just sucking your titties, they suck the life out of you through your titties. But in a most delicious way. I would have it no other way. My kids could have it. I've had great joy from my kids sucking the living, loving life out of me at times. Now I have to roll my titties up and put them in my bra. Oh, do your do your ears? Mine's like, uh, do your boobs hang low? Do you know, they it's literally to been like years. It was Serena. Allie did it to me. Yeah, because the boys like literally with Isaiah was just because I had to go back to work right away and the whole pumping thing it wasn't working and so I was doing both and then finally I just weaned him off and then Mario was like a month and I couldn't because he was he was a freaking vacuum cleaner he was like (laughs) like he they they put him on me as soon as they pulled him out of me and he rooted right away oh my god and that was the weirdest feeling because Isaiah did not do that. It took him a while. Right. And he rooted and he just locked on. And oh my God. <laughs> Listen, there's something about, I have the same experience. My first one took some time and I didn't do him for very long, maybe like four months. Right. My middle one, my second, he latched right on and he was on there for until the doctor told me I had to stop because I was pregnant with my daughter and I couldn't. So for 13 months or whatever, I nursed him and he was, yeah, he's going to kill me. Maybe he shouldn't hear this. <laughs> I was just thinking of that. Mario actually listens. And then Allie, I didn't nurse her for as long, but I'm telling you, they were gone after that on him Serena was almost two years what? because I had stayed home like by then I had like three kids so I was home <laughs> she's unbuttoning your shirt hey she, mom, she literally was walking up to me just like pulling my <laughs> shirt up like I was I had to go to work back to work just to wean her because it was like impossible hey, I think two years is okay but when you see like a four or five year old walking up That's to a, a woman and undoing their blouse yeah. and like latching on that's, no, that's not weird. okay if, if i'm they're sorry old enough to drink out of a cup like, yeah you shouldn't even you, you shouldn't have a bottle at that age you shouldn't have mommy's booby at that age 
It's definitely weird. <laughs> they have five-year-olds that are still doing it. Trying not to da- judge. But. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm judging. I think That's I kind of am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's just weird to me. And if there's somebody out there that's 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 your thing, okay. More power to you, but it's weird. I can't. <laughs> well, it's weird. Listen, if I saw you at the mall, <laughs> I would stare. <laughs> <laughs> you do you, boo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right uh where were we all right so we were talking about when she was visiting her mother in dallas yeah sorry about that um no that's fine um when sheriff cg mark Mar- oh yeah the names the names sheriff cg maxwell and his deputy eugene c moore um approached them in the parking lot barrow and hamilton opened fire killing the deputy and gravely wounding the sheriff this was the first time barrow and his gang killed a lawman eventually they reached a total of nine which I mentioned before. On October 11th, they allegedly killed Howard Hall at his store during a robbery in Sherman, um, in Sherman, Texas, though historians have considered this unlikely since 1997. So there's still some, like, a lot of it is mythology mm-hmm. and people, like, blaming certain things on them because of the notoriety they had. So, yeah. so it was just the tales. Yeah. On March 22nd, 1933, Buck Barrow, Clyde's brother, was granted a full pardon and released from prison. Within days, he and his wife, Blanche, had set up housekeeping with Clyde and Bonnie and Jones in a temporary hideout at 3347 Oak Ridge Drive in Joplin, Missouri, in case you ever want to visit, I guess. <laughs> Um, According to family sources, Buck and Blanche were there to visit. Yeah, right. They attempted to persuade Clyde to surrender to law enforcement. Bonnie and Clyde's next brush with the law arose from their generally suspicious and conspicuous behavior, not because they had been identified. The group ran loud, alcohol-fueled card games late into the night and in the quiet neighborhood that they were in. We bought a case of beer a day, Blanche, um, Buck's wife, would later recall. The man, yeah, ooh, a no, no. case. <laughs> That's normal for yeah, some people. Yeah, I was going to say, they've never been to a Mexican birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't shit. Um, the men came out when went noisily at all hours, and Clyde discharged a bar, which is a Browning automatic rifle, in the apartment while cleaning it. No neighbors went to the house, but one reported suspicions to the Joplin Police Department. Yeah. <laughs> You're discharging a weapon in a quiet little neighborhood, you think? Oh, my God. And drinking a whole case of beer. Come on. Oh, my gosh. It's out of control. These people. The lawmen assembled a five-man force in two cars on April 13th to confront what they suspected were bootleggers living in the garage apartment. Though t- I get, Yeah, I guess that was the, during the time oh. of bootlegging. Though taken by surprise, Clyde was... An, there was a lot of stuff going on around that time. There was the Great Depression. There was the whole bootlegging thing because of not being able to drink alcohol. Right. Um, so now it's adding up. Yeah, and then they had all the ro- bank robberies and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll take and then like the car was really like becoming a popular mode of transportation so robbing a bank and taking off really fast and some of these a lot of these police officers that in these little one horse towns they paid for a lot of their own stuff like their own vehicles and their own guns whatever so they didn't really really super well equipped and the motors in their vehicles probably weren't probably not and i think they did a lot of like beats where they walked Right. Instead of, they right. didn't need to drive. So they then, probably had one or two cars, you know, maybe two cars, but probably one car. And I think, I, I don't know if I 
included it in the story or not, but I know what I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the fact that they couldn't really cross straight state lines. And this is how they evaded uh, during the course of all of their robberies and all the stuff that they did. They would just cross straight line state lines. And well, that's in the Netflix movie with Woody Harrelson and. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It they showed that. that. But he's finally like, I don't care. I'm going to go. Yeah. He gets in trouble. He sounds for like it. he was a really he was a character. This guy. Yeah. He's a rebel. <laughs> the lawmen assembled a five man force in two cars on April 13th to the, to confront what they suspected were bootleggers living in the garage apartment. Though taken by surprise, Clyde was noted for remaining cool under fire. He, Jones, and Buck quickly killed Detective McGinnis and fatally wounded Constable Harriman. I think this is where they come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the movie, yeah. Um, during the escape from the apartment, Parker laid down covering fire with, with her bar, forcing Highway Patrol Sergeant G.B. Kaler to duck behind a large oak tree while a thirty caliber bullet struck the other side, forcing wood splinters into the sergeant's face. Ugh. Parker got into the car with the others. They slowed enough to pull in Blanche Barrow from the street where she was pursuing her dog, Snowball. <laughs> the gentle name. Aw, Snowball. Poor Snowball. <laughs> Didn't know who she was in with. She was trying to get away. Right. <laughs> she was like, I'm out. This is my chance. <laughs> I can escape now. Um, The surviving... Oh, poor dog. Can you imagine, like, all that shooting's going... That this That'd dog is, scary. like, freaking out. The surviving officers later testified that their side had fired only 14 rounds in the conflict, but one hit Jones on the side, one struck Clyde, and was deflected by his suit coat button. Ooh, that's lucky. And one grazed Buck after ricocheting off a wall. Wow. Okay, so the group escaped the police at Joplin, but left behind the most of their possessions at the apartment. Items included Buck and Blanche's marriage license, Buck's parole papers, three weeks old only, Gosh. Since they were they were there to convince Bonnie and Clyde to, you know, turn themselves in. The large arsenal of weapons, a handwritten poem by Bonnie, and a camera with several rolls of undeveloped film. And that camera roll is oh. what boosted them into notoriety and like why what make them so popular. Mm. A lot of the pictures that you see came off of that camera really? roll with her, you know, like pointing the rifle at him. Oh, and okay. They're posing in their nice fancy clothes and stuff. That's what people were like, ooh, look at they they're dressed so well, you know. That and, makes a difference. If they were total hillbillies dressing I bet listen, Allie and I were talking, my daughter and I, about the simple thing of wearing makeup. If I go to return something and it's a woman and I don't have makeup on, she's going to give me a hassle. But if I'm wearing makeup and I look nice, she's not going to bother me about it. It is the weirdest thing. Okay, so we're talking about the camera roll that would make them famous or infamous. I'm picturing them in their fancy clothes. I love that era. Right. I love it. You just love the clothes from, yeah. Yeah, the shoes. I loved it. My wedding shoes totally look like I can The dresses, the pencil skirts, the, yeah, everything. The hair. I just love the hair. The hair. Like, how did they, like, get those I don't know, those waves? Waves. Yeah. Yeah. And they, like, stayed. I mean, I swear, like, everybody's grandma looks like a sexy model back then. Yeah. You look at their pictures and you're like, damn, she was hot. I hope they say that about us. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Um, the, the film was developed at the Joplin Globe and yielded many now famous photos of Barrow, Parker, and Jones clowning and pointing weapons at one another. Uh, when the poem and the photos included one of Parker clenching a cigar in her teeth and a pistol in her hand went out on the newly installed newswire, the anonymous fivesome 
from Dallas became front page news across America as the Barrow Gang. The poem's story of suicide cell was an apparent backstory. This goes again with even the last time we were together and we were talking about um, when something bad happens, shining a light on the criminal. Right. And how we shouldn't do that. They're glorifying the criminals. Right. And everybody, ooh, uh, that's what's happening. Correct? Well, yeah. And they it was almost like their own PR because they had these right. cool pictures, then mm-hmm. the poem that kind of just like amplified everything. And romanticized. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like Robin Hood. Right. They had that whole yeah. Robin Hood thing going Which on. Which I'm surprised they didn't have a bunch of copycats. I wonder if they had copycats. Like of Bonnie and Clyde? Mm-hmm. To yeah. try and emulate yeah. what they were doing. I bet there were. I bet uh-huh. there were during that time. All right. For the next three months, the group ranged from Texas as far north as Minnesota. Wow. They had a lot of ground. They traveled. <laughs> Clearly. In May, they tried to rob the bank in Lucerne, Indiana, and rob the bank in Okabina, Minnesota. Minnesota. I didn't realize they went that far. I thought they stayed. Yeah, starting in Texas. And like, yeah, that's yeah. pretty far off the beaten path. Yeah. Previously, they had kidnapped Dillard Darby and Sophia Stone at Ruston, Louisiana, in the course of stealing Darby's car. This was one of several incidents between 1932 and 1934, in which they kidnapped lawmen or robbery victims. They usually released their hostages far from home, sometimes with money to help them return home. Stories such as these encounters made headlines, as did more violent episodes. The Barrow Gang did not hesitate to shoot anyone, lawmen, or civilian who got in their way. The photos entertained the public, but the gang was desperate and discontented, as described by Blanche Barrow in her account written while imprisoned in the late 1930s. With their, and she, I think she's pretty much the only one that survived the Barrow gang, so she ends up in prison for years afterwards. Oh, no. Well, maybe. There was somebody else? I don't know. I'm because I think... Cause, Buck dies. But I thought definitely. she died. No, no. Blanche is the sister-in-law. Oh, the sister-in-law. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or actually not really, because her and Clyde, Bonnie and Clyde never Oh, wait, because we're on her. the five. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. I'll get you some shorty balls for that mistake. <laughs> Chocolate-covered shorty balls. We could put that on our Patreon. Oh, on the mailing list for shorty balls? Carlene's special sweaty balls. <laughs> <laughs> if you are in number tier number one, right? Tier number one. So, tier number one is sweaty balls. <laughs> Carlene's special recipe. <laughs> okay. With or without nuts. Well, they gotta be they, nuts, right? They have to have nuts, and them because they're sweaty balls. <laughs> <laughs> okay oh my god we're sorry we're just cracking ourselves up here <laughs> oh uh, you're welcome there were, okay on the last episode there was like a whole like bunch of giggling that i had to like just delete out of there where we were just cracking ourselves i up. think it's funny when we walked out and they all said oh, your whole family's out there and they're like we heard you we heard you <laughs> Everything. We can hear everything. Everything. <laughs> we're like, oh, everything? <laughs> Oops. That's and then so I started awesome. thinking, I'm like, what were we saying? <laughs> oh, how much do I have to take out? Oh, my God. I, it was a long episode. That was a long episode. It was fun. It was fun. 
we obviously were having so much fun that we didn't realize that we were <laughs> talking for like two whole hours. Oh my God. <laughs> Can't help uh, it. Okay, so where was I? The sister-in-law. Oh, okay, so Blanche Barrow was like basically her account of it in the 1930s. Um, with their new notoriety, their daily lives became more difficult as they tried to evade discovery. Restaurants and motels, and that movie that we were just talking about, like, yeah, they were recognized everywhere they went. The restaurants and motels became less secure. They resorted to campfire cooking and bathing in cold streams. Yeah. The unrelieved round-the-clock proximity among two couples plus a fifth wheel in one car gave right. And imagine, like, cars back then weren't roomy like they are now, right? So they're sleeping in the car. No. They weren't comfortable like they are now yeah. either. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> you see cars from the 1930s, like, how did they even do that? No, they're I, small and they're hard. Even cars from, like, the 50s, too. Hard. Sometimes I'm like, they're really pretty cars. Like, they're nice to look at, but you get in and you're like, mm. um, So unpleasant did it become that W.D. Jones, who was the driver, when he and Barrow stole Dillard Darby's car in late April, used that car to leave the others. He stayed away throughout May and up until June 8th. Oh, wow. That, that's weird. He just took off on them and said, I'm out. Yeah. Take care of yourself. On June 10th, while driving with Jones and Parker near Wellington, Texas, Barrow missed warning signs at a bridge under construction and flipped their car into a ravine. Sources disagree on whether there was a gasoline fire or if Parker was doused with at So, <gasps> this is Bonnie. She was doused with acid from the car's battery under the floorboards. Um, Parker sustained third-degree burns to her right leg, so severe the muscles contracted and caused the leg to draw up. W.D. Jones observed... She'd been burned so bad, none of us thought she was going to live. The height on her right leg was gone. Oh, my God. At the, uh, from her hip down to her ankle. I could see the bone at places. Oh, God, that's oh. awful. And, uh. and she couldn't even go to the hospital. Because they were in hiding. Right. And how, very recognizable. So and she could have died just from infection. Yeah. Near the end of her life, Parker could hardly walk. She either hopped on her good leg or was carried by Clyde. After getting help from a nearby farm family and kidnapping two local lawmen, of course, the three outlaws rendezvoused with Blanche and Buck Barrow. They hid in a tourist court near Fort Smith, Arkansas. Nursing Parker's burns, Buck and Jones bungled a local bar robbery and killed town marshal, so another lawman, Henry D. Humphrey, in Alma, Arkansas. Alma, Arkansas. <laughs> Uh, with the renewed pursuit by the law, they had had to flee despite Parker and her grave condition. That ugh. Can you even imagine? Like, burns are like, even if you like have a small burn, it's... I can't imagine because I got, when I had my rollover car Oh, accident. yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I have experienced it and it is awful. Can't even imagine having that extensive... That's and not having it treated? Mm -mm. I mean, all the way down to the bone? Nope. Mm -mm. Um, in July 1933, the gang checked in to the Red Crown Tourist Court south of Platte City, Missouri. It consisted of two brick cabins joined by garages, and the gang rented both. To the south stood the Red Crown Tavern, a popular restaurant among Missouri Highway Patrolmen. The gang seemed to go out of their way to draw, draw attention. That's weird. Why would they do that? Because it seems like they were in hiding. Blanche Barrow registered the party as their three guests, but owner Neil Hauser could see five people getting out of the car. He noted the driver backed into the garage, gangster style, huh. 
gangster what does style. That mean? Exactly. Maybe backing in was gangster style. Like yeah, because it even now it, bikers when they back in, uh-huh. they do that so that they can leave quickly. If they need to. Like, what is gangster style? I back my cars in. Oh, so they can... Oh, okay, so I get it now. <laughs> you got it? Mm. So they All can right. escape quickly. Yeah. <laughs> have, have some more wine. For a quick... Yeah. For a quick getaway. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I am not quick. Blanche paid for their cabins with coins rather than bills and repeated that later when buying five dinners and five beers. Only five beers? They're lightweights. <laughs> the next day, Hauser noticed his guests had taped newspapers over the window that's not weird no they probably would have been better just like acting like normal people yeah. um blanche again paid for five meals with coins blanche's outfit jodhpur riding breeches attracted attention they were not typical attire attire for women in that area and eyewitnesses reminiscing 40 years later mentioned them first so her breeches breeches her breeches they noticed her breeches <laughs> Women don't wear them britches around here. I would love to see pictures of what they're talking about. Yeah, I'll have to look them up so I can post them. Um, Hauser told Captain William Baxter of the Highway Patrol, a patron of his restaurant, about the group. Clyde and Jones went into town to purchase bandages, crackers, cheese, and atropine sulfate to treat Bonnie's leg. The druggist contacted Sheriff Holt Kofi, or Coffey, who put the cabins under surveillance. Coffey had been alerted by Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas law enforcement to watch for strangers seeking such supplies interesting because i didn't realize that they had like that much communication with uh law enforcement from other states because i thought that was what made it a little bit easier for them to just go from town to town Mm -hmm. Um, the sheriff contacted captain baxter who called for reinforcements from kansas city including an armored car at 11 p.m then Night Sheriff Coffey led a group of officers armed with Thompson submachine ooh a Thompson submachine gun toward the cabins. Sounds serious. In the pitch gunfight at the considerable dis- distances that followed, the submachine guns proved no match for Clyde Barrow's preferred Browning automatic rifle, stolen fr- July seventh from the National Guard Armory at Enid, Oklahoma. Well, they stored a lot of arms. Hardcore. Uh. They were, I mean, they did for that time, from what I understand, they did have some pretty top of the line equipment. Yeah. Top of the line. Well, I don't remember the type of car it was, but like the type of car, car. that he would still, mm-hmm. he preferred to steal this car that was pretty fast. Yeah. And compared he wasn't to, totally stupid. No, he wasn't stupid at all. Right. The Barrows laid down withering fire, escaped when a build a, blah, blah, blah. The barrows laid down withering fire and escaped when a bullet short-circuited the horn on the armored car and the lawman mistook it for a ceasefire signal. Get out. They did not pursue the retreating barrow vehicle. (laughs) They should make this a movie. Oh, wait, they have. Several times. (laughs) Over and over. Although the gang had evaded the law again, Buck Barrow had sustained a gruesome and ultimately mortal bullet wound to his head. So that's his brother. A wound that blasted a large hole in his forehead, skull bone, and exposed his injured brain. And Blanche was nearly blinded by glass fragments in both her eyes. Their prospects for evading a manhunt dwindled. Do you um, think a Bonnie and a Clyde would survive today? No. I think either. there's too much communication between law enforcement. I think there's too many with the cameras. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But everybody's like videotaping FBI everything. And- I mean, some people have evaded, but... 
I don't think to the extent that they were like in their exact situation where they had become notorious and their pictures were plastered everywhere. Yeah, no, I don't, I think, don't so. think so. Five days later, on July 24th, the Barrel Gang was camped at Dexfield Park in an abandoned amusement park near Dexter, Iowa. Although Buck was sometimes semi-conscious and even talked and ate, his massive head wound and loss of blood was so severe that Clyde and Jones dug a grave for him. Wow. After their bloody bandages were noticed by local residents, officers determined the campers were the Barrel Gang. Local lawmen and approximately 100 spectators surrounded the group, and the Barrows soon came under fire. Clyde Barrow, Parker, and W.D. Jones escaped on foot. Buck was shot in the back, and he and his wife were captured by the officers. Buck died five days later at King's Daughters Hospital in Perry, Iowa, of his head wound and pneumonia after surgery. How exhausting. I bet. How exhausting to live on the run and then always gunfights and no that's exhausting and sleeping in the car and yeah we could not be criminals i could not be a criminal (laughs) you know what yeah yeah i don't think i could even like you like imagine certain fantasies like reading certain books and stuff like talking about going back in time Mm -hmm. no (laughs) i couldn't go back in time no if it meant that i couldn't have a hot bath yeah and Toilet paper. <laughs> and soap. <laughs> and um, Circle K's. I watch a lot of like the Vikings and oh. like King Henry, those shows, Merdurchi, Merdurchi. Yeah. And then I think about part of the fun of watching those is to think about how Living they them. lived. Having somebody having to lift buckets of hot water up to fill up a bath i usually just shower now but when i take a bath i frequently have to put more hot water in there right i mean that <laughs> because happens it starts to get cold. that happens especially in the winter yeah or to have women had were so ordered around and told who they were going to marry yeah, no, no 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 if you think about it women ran the kingdom because certain kingdoms could, states couldn't be merged unless the woman married a, a certain king or like the this sister had to marry this they were priceless yeah they really were they were priceless they were treated like crap like chattel yeah kind of <laughs> i wouldn't have been able uh uh-uh. yeah okay Sorry. it's okay this is how we roll this is totally how we roll we are one hour in so I'm going to try and I might, I might cut a little bit out of my story here so I can hurry up so we can get to your story because I have a couple more pages here. On January 16th, 1934, Barrow orchestrated the escape of Raymond Hamilton, Henry Methvin, and several others in the infamous Eastham breakout of 1934. So this is when, I mean, it had already gotten serious, but this is when they kind of really pissed people off. And the brazen raid generated negative publicity for the Texas and Barrow seemed to have achieved what historian Phillips described as his overriding goal, revenge on the Texas Department of Corrections. During the jailbreak, escapees Joe Palmer shot and fatally wounded prison Major Major Joe Croson, who died days later in the hospital. This attack attracted the full power of the Texas and federal government to the manhunt for Barrow and Parker. This is when shit Man. got serious. Yeah. 
As Croson struggled for life, prison chief Lee Simmons reportedly promised him that all the persons involved in the breakout would be hunted down and killed. All were except for Henry Medvin, whose life was traded by his father and a police for setting up an amb- ambush of Barrow and Parker. So he sold them out. The trust anybody. Nope. And one of the movies that I actually watched a couple of years about go about them, Clyde was super suspicious of everybody. Should have been. Yeah. They were all out to get him. So, all right. The Texas Department of Corrections haunted former Texas Ranger, um, Frank A. Hamer, the one in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I can't even remember it. The Highwayman. Yes. That's what it is. That's it. Thank all you. Right. It's on Netflix right now, guys, if you guys want to watch it. And persuaded him to hunt down the Barrow Gang. Though retired, Hamer had been allowed to retain his commission, which had not yet expired. He accepted the assignment as a Texas Highway Patrol officer, secondarily assigned to the prison system as a special investigator, and given the specific task of taking Bonnie and Clyde and the Barrow Gang. On April 1st, 1934, Easter Sunday, Barrow and Henry Medvin killed two young Highway Patrolmen, H.D. Murphy and Edward Bryant Wheeler, at the intersection of Route 114 and Dove Road near Grapevine. Texas, now South Lake. An eyewitness account said that the Barrow and Parker fired the fatal shots and this story got widespread coverage before it was discredited. Medvin later admitted that he fired the first shot after assuming Barrow wanted the officers killed. He also said that Parker approached the dying officers intending to help them, so Bonnie, wow. not to administer the coup de grace. As described by the discredited eyewitnesses, Barrow joined in firing at the patrolman, Murphy. It was long been assumed Parker was asleep in the back seat when Medvin started shooting and took no part in the assault. In the spring of 1934, the grapevine killings were recounted in exaggerated detail, um, affecting public perception. All four Dallas daily papers seized on the story told by the eyewitnesses a farmer who claimed to have seen parker laugh at the way patrolman murphy's head bounced like a rubber ball oh wow that's gruesome that's disgusting <sighs> on the ground as he as she shot as we laugh no you know what it's that's it's the same thing with like kids playing video games watching tv watching the news over and over and all the wars that are, you get desensitized and that's what's happened with these two they've that's why it's so easy for them to do what they do right they're not it's because they've been going for so long doing this thing right. over it's and de- over they're again it's survival at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the stories claim that the police found a cigar butt with tiny teeth marks, supposedly Parker's, which has been debunked. Like, it was pretty famous that she was a cigar smoker. Mm-hmm. She she wasn't a cigar smoker. Several days later, Murphy's fiancé wore her intended... Oh, this is, this is so sad. Mm-hmm. She wore her intended wedding dress to his funeral, attracting photos and newspaper coverage. The eyewitness's ever-changing story was soon discredited, but the massive negative publicity against Parker in particular increased the public clamor for extermination of the survivors of the Barrow Gang. So at this point, everybody's like, out for blood. That's that's what First happens. They, they put you on a pedestal yeah. and then... Now let's get them. Well, I mean, it kind society. of happens now. Yeah. I mean, we talk about... It hasn't changed. Yeah, it yeah. hasn't changed no. at all. Um, public hostility increased five days later when Barrow and Medvin killed 60-year-old Constable William Cal Campbell. You know, and at this point, they deserve it. Campbell and a widower and a single father near Commerce, Oklahoma. Oh, wow. So, left their kids without a mom and a dad. Um, they kidnapped 
Commerce Police Chief Percy Boyd drove around with him crossing the state line into Kansas and let him go, giving him a clean shirt, a few dollars, and a request from Parker to tell the world she did not smoke cigars. Oh. She didn't like that. Rumor, that apparently. was her big concern? Yeah. All that's this, all she was worried about. Yeah. All this other stuff, and that's her yeah. big concern. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Boyd identified both Barrow and Parker to authorities, but he never learned Medvin's name. The resultant arrest warrant for the Campbell murder specified Clyde Barrow, Bonnie Parker, and John Doe. Historian Knight writes, For the first time, Bonnie was seen as a killer, actually pulling the trigger, just like Clyde. Whatever chance she had for clemency had just been reduced. Journal ran a cartoon on its editorial page showing the Texas electric chair empty with a sign on it saying reserved and then Clyde and Bonnie. It's hard to say Clyde and Bonnie and not Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, I know. It sounds (laughs) backwards. It's funny that she's first. Mm -hmm. Um, Barrow and Parker were killed on Wednesday, May 23rd, 1934 on a rural road in Bienville Parish, Louisiana. The couple had appeared in daylight appeared in daylight yeah in an automobile automobile and were shot by a posse of four texas officers frank hamer bm maney maney galt bob alcorn and ted hinton the posse was led by hamer who had begun tracking the pair on february 12 1934 so several months on may 21st 1934 the four so this started in uh 1930 so it's four years four almost. years yeah that's Okay, they went from, in four years, they went from being, like, stars mm-hmm. to actual criminals that people wanted to see. But even when they were shot down, I think they were still oh, yeah. idolized by people. Oh, yeah. So, well, you're going to always have those people, like... Look, all these years later, we're, we're, we're still, still talking about yeah, them. Yeah, We're literally having this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> about it's Bonnie and Clyde today. literally about Bonnie and Clyde. Where was I? And done. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> On May 21st, 1934, the four posse members from Texas were in Shreveport when they learned that Barrow and Parker were to go to Bienville Parish that evening with Medvin. Barrow had designated the residence of Medvin's parents as a rendezvous just in case they were separated. And Medvin did get separated from the pair in Shreveport. This is how they got to where they yeah, ended up. This is on there. the way. Yeah. Okay. So the full posse, consisting of Captain Hamer, Dallas County Sheriff Deputies Alcorn and Ted Hinted, both of whom knew Barrow and Parker by sight, former Texas Ranger B.M. Maney Galt, um, Bienville Parish Sheriff Henderson Jordan, and his deputy, Prentice Oakley, set up an ambush at the rendezvous point along Louisiana State Highway 154 south of Gibsland towards sales. Hinton recounted that their group was in place by 9 p.m. on the 21st and waited through the whole next day, well, with no sign of the outlaw couple. Other accounts said the officers set up the evening, set up on the evening of the 22nd. At approximately 9.15 a.m. on May 23rd, the posse concealed in the bushes and almost, I'm just imagining all these men concealing themselves in the bushes and almost ready to concede defeat heard barrow's stolen ford v8 that's that's it he liked to steal cars with v8 engines they're, they're fat they're yeah. even fast now so. yeah um approaching at a high speed the posse's official report had barrow stopping to speak with medvin's father who had been planted there with his truck and morning 
that morning to distract Barrow and force him into the lane close closer to the posse. The lawmen opened fire, killing Barrow and Parker while shooting a combined total of about 130 rounds. They were massacred. In that movie, even after they're already down, they're still still shooting. They're unloading. Yeah, I'll get into it later, but they were like impossible to embalm. Well, because they had so many bullet holes. Wow. Um, Oakley fired first, probably before any order to do so, because he was just like trigger happy. Um, Barrow was killed instantly by Oakley's initial headshot, but Hinton reported hearing Parker scream as she realized Barrow was dead before them shooting at her fully. The officers emptied all their arms in the car, although some claim that any one of the many wounds suffered by the Bonnie and Clyde would have been fatal. I mean, it was like overkill. The duo had survived many bullets in the various skirmishes over the years, but I guess they had uh, used up all their nine lives. Researchers have said Bonnie and Clyde were shot more than 50 times each. Others claim closer to 25 wounds per corpse, or 50 total. Officially parish coroner Dr. J.L. Wade's 1934 report listed 17 separate entrance wounds on Barrow's body and 26 on Parker's. Oh, wow. Including several headshots on each and one of one that had snapped Barrow's spinal column. Wait, why would they embalm them? I, I don't know. <laughs> probably because, like, still they were, like, it was. they were probably going to showcase their bodies. Oh, like, probably back then. I mean, you know what they did back in the Old West? They weren't too far removed from them days. Undertaker C.F. Boots Bailey had difficulty embalming the bodies because all of the bullet holes. The temporarily deafened officers inspected the vehicles and discovered an arsenal of weapons, including stolen automatic rifles, sawed-off semi-automatic shotguns, assorted handguns, and several thousand rounds of ammunition. It's almost... I should have delayed my question like half a second. That's why. <laughs> That's why. They, but still, they wanted to make sure they got them. Yeah, I just can't believe... Well, and imagine Why wouldn't they at this point the, the vendetta them. was like so like strong because they had killed so many law officers t- up until this point. I just can't believe they just didn't cremate them, but maybe they just wanted to make sure that people could see, see that, they that were it dead. was them. Right. Yeah, that's probably true. Word of the death quickly got around when Hamer Jordan and and another interesting fact about Hamer when he was picking um, the person he was interviewing who was going to help him. Mm-hmm. He disqualified a few guys because they were like, when he asked them, would you shoot at a woman? And they were like, nah, no, I wouldn't. So that was a disqualification for them. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting fact to think about. A crowd soon gathered at the spot. Galt and Elkhorn left to guard the bodies. Lost control of the jostling, curious throng. What you were talking about. One woman cut off bloody locks of Parker's hair and pieces from her dress. Gross. Um, which were subsequently sold as souvenirs. Hinton returned to find a man trying to cut off Barrow's trigger finger. Okay, come on. This uh, is what, just cremate them. <sighs> and but I, were they doing this when they drove them down the street, like in the movie, or were they doing this after they no, had already Well, done? their bodies were still there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bonnie and Clyde wished to be buried side by side but parker's family would not allow it mrs parker wanted to grant her daughter's final wish to be brought home but the mob surrounded the parker house made that impossible more than twenty thousand attended bonnie F- parker's funeral and her family had difficult reaching her difficulty reaching her gravesite. Twenty thousand people so, that is 
That was my story. There was more to it, but we're running out of time here. Hey, that was pretty interesting because I didn't know all those crazy details about hunting. I acted like I was going to write something down just now. (laughs) Trying to look professional. And then I got, I'm going to be a late night host. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I am going to do the Whaley House. Talk about a little ghostly adventure. And when you told me that the other day, I've seriously been wanting to do this one. So I can't wait to hear your take because I said you visited. Yeah, I'm, I wanted to do it because the kids and I had visited there years ago and we experienced our own shit. Mm-hmm. And... I was looking up some other things. I actually wanted to do some Arizona stuff, and uh, that popped in my head. Whaley House. So, the Whaleys want to talk. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, so I started looking up some stuff, and it's pretty interesting. And I got validation on stuff that I was actually feeling and talking about at the Whaley House that... Even Aiden, I told Aiden I was going to do this, my middle son, and he had said, yeah, I remember I felt stuff. He caught some amazing pictures on just his cell phone camera, and back when we went, it wasn't like the cameras that we have now. Right. So really? He had gotten some good. And then I just used my little Nikon camera, and I had gotten some pretty good photos, one that I shared with you right so there are some there's like see it to believe it proof that there's activity at the whaley house actually you should send me those photos because then i'll share them on the website and on my instagram yeah i'll definitely just forward them to you yeah okay anyway so i'll give like a little history and then somehow you know, I don't go by the book, so we'll, I'm going <laughs> to no, no, end no. up telling you my experience. You're not like experience. me. I'm like... <laughs> I'm winging it. Okay. Okay. Good. Wing it, wing it. All right. So before the Whaley House was there, it was actually a gallows where they hang people and whatever. Right. So there was... When the Whaley's bought the house, I'm going to go back and forth a little bit, I think. But anyway, when the Whaley's bought the house, they actually had some weird things that would happen. When it was the gallows, there was a man there that was, they hung. His name was, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm picturing some of the stuff that I watched. His name was James Robertson, Robinson, and they called him Yankee Jim. Yankee Jim. The ghost of Yankee Jim. That doesn't (laughs) sound very scary. But anyway, he was hung. He was actually um, arrested for stealing a boat. From one of the stories that I heard, he was stealing the boat to get to like that big pirate ship. Right. And then he was going to do something to the pirate ship, steal it or whatever. But that pirate ship's very important to San Diego. Oh, by the way, the Whaley House... (laughs) is in uh, Old Town, San Diego. Right. Okay. So anyway, this man was hung on that property when it was used for that purpose. And this man, Thomas Whaley, was actually one of the people that had watched or witnessed the hanging of this man. Then years later, Thomas Whaley must have gotten a really good deal on the property and it was uh, 1855 
He Ew. bought the property. You know what I noticed? What? <laughs> the 1800s are super haunted. Right? Right. There's so many stories just from the 1800s. It's shitty shit. And people were super, super superstitious. Mm-hmm. That was hard to say. So it's weird to me that this was a gallows and he saw somebody hung there. Yeah. And he actually went back and bought the property. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a sick thing. Right. But I mean, unless somebody was like, hey, I'm going to offer this I would, I killer mean, I'm deal. So deal. far from the 1800s and I wouldn't buy that. No. I wouldn't even touch that with a 10 foot pole. Not no. with my dollar. No. <laughs> no. But like my last story. 1800s. This story, 1800s. Your story from last time, 1800s. 1800s. (laughs) Jack the Ripper, he haunts people. He does? Yes. All right. We're going to have to do a story on Jack the Ripper. (laughs) On the paranormal side. (laughs) I'll look into that. Anyway, in uh, 1857, he actually built his house with some some bricks I can't even tell you right now I don't remember what the bricks are special he had had the bricks and built the house in 1957 oh 1857 now this is where shit gets crazy girl hold on so Thomas he had his wife her name was Anna um and they lived in the home from 1857 to the 1900s okay so they had three kids at this house they had francis thomas jr and Anne. and thomas jr at 18 months old he got scarlet fever and died keep that in mind okay so shortly after the son died thomas had a general store off the premises the general store so he loses his son then his general store burns down due to arson so somebody's like, this was the son. Good time to burn his general store down. Yeah, I don't know. It's shitty. It wasn't liked. Could be. I mean, Listen, he doesn't sound like he was all the way up there if he bought that house to live in with his family. We'll be getting into that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, we'll be getting into if he's a nice guy, because I don't know that he necessarily was. Okay. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I lost my place. Oh, okay. So after... That's- that's exactly why you use yeah. this type. Yeah, because <laughs> you can find it. I'm, I need to use my finger. So after the sun died, the place burns down. They decide we're getting the fuck out of here. And we're going to move to San Francisco. They moved to San Francisco. They had three more kids. People like having kids. Apparently. Back then. Right. So they have George. <laughs> they have Violet. That'll be an important one. And Corinne. But they call her, I think they call her Lillian. Uh, Okay, so then tragedy is all around these poor people. That's why they have so many kids, because they're not all going to live to adulthood. It's awful. So an earthquake happens in 1868 in San Francisco, and they have to move back to that house. Right. Mind you, that house... Part of the reason for why they moved with their son getting scarlet fever and the place burning down, they are experiencing their own paranormal 
stuff happening there. And so they're thinking all this stuff is because there's bad things living in the house. And so they moved to San Francisco. Now they have to come back because... Clearly, the place in San Francisco isn't still standing, I guess. Probably not. Okay. So, oh my God. Wretchedy. This is awful. Okay. Okay. So, their daughter, Violet, ends up committing suicide. Um, In 1885, she she shoots herself in, oh, in the backyard in an outhouse. She shoots herself, I believe, in the head. Anyway... Thomas goes out there, gets her, and brings her into the parlor. She's still kind of alive, and then she dies in the parlor. Tell me that's not sad. That's super sad. Child number two. And that was because of a failed marriage. Man, these women, listen, ladies, don't let a man upset you that much. (laughs) Would she get jilted at the altar or something? She married. No, they were married. Oh, okay. Left her or something. Oh, hey, God, I'm gonna kill myself. Awful tonight. <laughs> Please, no, Allie and I were watching certain videos, and she'd be like, Oh, I'm getting chills. Oh, and I'm like, I'd even want to tell her, trying to say a little something. Uh, what videos on this? Yeah, oh, uh. yeah, because people that go to the Whaley house, there's right. certain, um, they've allowed certain people to come in, and you know, the like ghost hunters and right, stuff, right? Right, okay. right, okay, well, they stir shit up, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you hear that? No. <laughs> The wines. Oh. <laughs> <It's> the exorcist. <laughs> she came out. <laughs> they're channeling. Somebody, yeah, they're channeling through you. <laughs> but um, people, the video there. Okay, I got to tell you. I just got to skip. Let me see if there's anything else important here that I want to talk about. Because I just want to get to the good stuff. Let me just finish. Because I got to share to you. Because some of these videos, they the things that they experienced are some of the things that I had when I was there and then some of them are just bullshit which is why people don't believe in what I do because of people like that it's whatever true <laughs> okay she died over the next 68 years three more members of the listen isn't that natural over 68 years yeah. three more members are gonna die right I mean natural causes years. right like- Especially in those times, like yeah. we've got smallpox and I tell you the flu back then, right? Or I tell you the flu now, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh my God. Okay, Anna in 1913, she died. Francis died in 1914, and Lillian died in 1953. Lillian, she lived a long time. Yeah, she did. Her. Did she die of natural causes? Doesn't even say. No. I never heard how she died we'll have to go to the whaley house and find out sometimes people just die yeah they do (laughs) i totally want to go back though after doing this i told Allie, i'm like i'm ready to go back even though i'll tell you more in a minute okay (laughs) um okay so some things that people experience when they go in they hear an infant cry um they often hear a dog bark because the the whaleys had a dog and a cow a cat a cow <laughs> a cow a dog and a cow well <laughs> that probably was not uncommon back then <laughs> no but they had a dog and a cat and people will often hear or see 
the dog. Some see a young woman in a bedroom, like sitting on the bed. I'll tell mm-hmm. you my experience. They believe that to be Violet Whaley. Violet's the one that killed herself in the outhouse. Yeah. Or tried to kill herself in the Yeah. And died in the house. Okay. Easy. How old was she, by the way? I don't know. It doesn't say, actually. Well, she's old enough to be married, which doesn't say much. I don't think then. she was that old, to be honest. I wonder. No, I don't. 18, 19? I don't know. To, I have no idea. Just going to be real honest with you. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> I will. Yeah, actually, somewhere. I thought I wrote their birthdays down. I have more. Oh, she has more. Oh, oh, oh. They see a little girl in the dining room. Remember I said that. Okay. Except for, just remember the little girl. You know, okay. when it comes oh. to being haunted by little kids, that's that's one of the worst ones. Like, uh, It just, listen, I told Allie that if I went back there, <laughs> they'd probably get really mad at me because it wouldn't be haunted anymore. You're like, go to the light, Violet. Oh, go, follow. Yeah. But, uh, okay, I got to tell you this experience. So... Uh, there was a police officer. Okay, outside the house, more than 30 years ago, there was a police officer that got a... There was a 911 call. A police officer went out there um, because the concerned citizen called and said that they heard a woman crying outside the Whaley house. The officer who responded, he, di- he didn't talk about it or reveal in- much about the call until he retired. And then in his retirement letter, he revealed more. So he had said, in quotes, he said, a woman in the back of the home was crying. The quote. Okay. Then he mentioned she was in period clothing. Okay, funniest thing. Allie's going to be so mad. Allie's. So- <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine because right? I think right. Allie and Serena are kind of like the same. Yeah. Allie said, what's period clothing? And I said, you know, like back in the day. And she's like, wait, what? And I'm like, no, Allie, wait a minute. Do you mean like period being on your period clothing? And she's like, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> because we actually have our period clothing that we wear, right? Like those, are, These are the underwear that I wear and these are the pants that I wear when I'm on my period. <laughs> no, periods of. I had a picture of her up on the TV, and I said, no, like, see what she's wearing? That's that period's clothing. <laughs> By the oh, way. my God. It was adorable. Oh, you got it. She was 22. She was 22. Oh, awesome. Good for you. I'm like, I don't know. You got me stumped. I can't tell you. Okay. So this police officer hears this woman crying, and he goes up to this crying woman that he clearly sees and you know if you if you any of you have a police officer in the family more than likely they've got a kind of a macho complex they're not very they're not going to bullshit anything they're not going to be like i thought i saw no they don't wear their feelings on their sleeve no they don't and if they saw something i'm gonna probably believe most of them i'll believe like if they say that Listen, they're not going to say they saw a ghost unless they saw a ghost because they don't want to look stupid. Right. Right? Does that make sense? I don't know. The macho ones I know. Probably why he waited so many years to talk about it. Till he retired. Yeah. He's like, I'm not getting fired for this shit. <laughs> and this is my exit letter. And, uh, okay, so he goes back uh, in her period clothing. <laughs> oh, my God. All stained and everything. All right. <laughs> 
Uh, and he asks her, quote, are you all right? Uh, to which she turns and smiles. I'm a vision person. So mm. I <laughs> kind of see this like. I, I'm just seeing the frighteners right now. <laughs> can be kind of a creepy smile. It can be, I don't know. Okay. The kind of smile that makes you want to just run. Uh, yeah. Gives you the chills up your spine. Ugh. Yeah. So he took his flashlight and he shined it on her. And when he shined his flashlight on her, the woman disappeared. She's not there. Wow. Yeah. (sighs) She vanished. People all. That's it. That's it. That's all he wrote in his. She vanished. She vanished. She She wasn't there. I want to. I would like to hear that he likes ran away screaming (laughs) (laughs) she just vanished you know what i bet he did so okay so he ran away screaming right that's what we're gonna say uh he probably just backed backed up and just walked out really really fast have you ever got that like that yeah eerie feeling like you walk into a room or like and it's dark or whatever my hallway just be like (laughs) okay i don't like this feeling and just kind of back up real quick yeah, I've had that before. Yeah, I've done that in my hallway. In my when we were kids in our old house, like as little kids, we had a big house, but there were lots of speaky, speaky, spooky spots, <laughs> and yeah, there were some scary hallways. Yeah, I had that when we were kids. Yeah, yeah, and I've done it as an adult too. Like just uh, walk into a dark room, can't find the light quick enough. Oh right. Right. And be like, and then all of a sudden get that panicky, claustrophobic feeling. And like, <laughs> and me, like, I don't close my eyes when, like, I'm looking into the darkness and I see things moving around in the darkness. Like, I don't, I like to see what's coming at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I just back up I right suddenly, away. I close my eyes. I know, I can't. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Like, some people put, like, a cover over their face and I'm like, I'm just there with the cover just, like, looking Oh, I'm gonna. I think it's uh, if I close my eyes, then I can like it, my senses are greater. Really? I don't. Yeah. Not, see, I don't lie. have the same gift as you, so I'm like, I have to keep my eyes wide open, man. <laughs> I want to know what's coming at me. <laughs> That's amazing. Keep my eyes wide open, even though it's pitch black and I can't right. see anything right, coming exactly. at me. Exactly. No, That's I'm gonna hysterical. go out fighting. I'm gonna start swinging. So. <laughs> A ghost. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, anyway, so like I said, they see the or hear the dog, but also in even in my house, all case, I just told my neighbor this. I think that when her dad or somebody is trying to tell me that she needs something, I will get the smell of smoke because I think he was a firefighter uh-huh. or. That's how Her great grandfather was a firefighter. Uh, yeah, so I think he's trying to get my attention by giving me that scent. But uh, Thomas will blow tobacco smoke in people's face. So like, if you ever smell something out of the ordinary, that's like, I'll walk in my house and tell the kids, "Do you smell that?" And they're only you smell it, mom. And usually it's somebody trying to get your attention. Spirit trying yeah. to tell me something. Yeah, that's crazy. So totally off topic. But kind of on topic because you started the conversation. So, like, different people that you've spoken to, like, did their loved ones come back to you and try to contact you? Like, try to, 
what's what's the word that like come back and like try to get in touch with their relatives you so that before there's so many in my house that right. it's it's i think it's just a place where spirit feels safe and comes right. in place that there are times that i will get uh like they're tapping on my shoulder and they're trying and a lot of times I'll ask, did somebody send you to me? So I believe a client has sent, listen, I will get a text message from somebody saying, um, it's my mom's birthday. Will you tell her happy birthday for me? I'm like, you You're just like, you can, her. Yeah, you can tell her happy birthday. You just yourself. told her. Or they'll say, um, I was thinking about my sister did she come to talk to you or does she want to say something to me I'm like I don't you know I literally have thousands of spirit in my house if you go to my Facebook page and you look some some of the pictures did I say that twice if you look at some of the pictures there's some that you can't even see my pool or my back wall I mean there's thousands of spirit so I don't know, even when they do tap on me, I always have to say, are you here for me? Are you here? Are my kids safe? Are you here? Did somebody send you here? Yeah. Okay. I don't know who you are. Right. It's not like they're coming up to me and going, hi, Carlene, my name's Joe and uh, Alma sent me to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or remember last week when Alma was here and you brought me through? Can you tell Alma I'm really happy? You know, they don't do that. No. I mean, I think they make an attempt to, but I just don't. No, I'm not. Listening. Well, and how can you? Like that I'm would be freaking amazing, but yeah. I'm not that great. <laughs> <laughs> I try, but I have had people, and I hope share names. But I mean, I've had people that. Uh, God, how do I say this? Things have happened to where it was just um, right before that person called. Spirit had come and did things that I didn't understand. And then when that person called, it all started to make sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, I think this might not be very good for you, but don't say I, I'm not, uh, Sylvia Brown. Right. She had made the mistake of telling a mom that her child, I think, that her child was dead. Right. Her child was kidnapped or something, and she said her child was dead. That mother committed suicide. Right. I would never do... I don't know that 100%. I'm a human being. I can make a mistake. Right, and it's all interpretation, too. Right. Like. So I would only say there's a possibility, but I am not... I wouldn't bank on that. Or If I even thought... If they... If something like that happened to me, I would not even, I wouldn't answer that question. I would right. just be like, you know what? We just, we should wait and see. Let's see if we can find some clues or whatever. But right. I wouldn't go there. Right. I think that's not our place. Not that specific about something no. like that. Nope, nope, nope. And she was wrong. And so that mother committed suicide and that daughter came back and didn't oh have a mom. Oh my God. I never heard of that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, she, nah, I can't say. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> there's. There's a lot of them out there that make a lot of big mistakes. I'm sure I will make mistakes. I just try to be very, very careful. And I will often say to people, um, especially if people, a lot of people like to, I'm not a fortune teller. Right. So a lot of people like to come and say, like, um, I want to know if this is going to happen. Well, sometimes spirit will share with me certain things that might help you um, 
with your future right. or I'll say well let's ask anyway and so I will always put the disclaimer you have free will and you can change things or I am a human being and I could be interpreting this wrong so if I ever think I mean there's times I will say I know I'm not hearing this wrong and this is 100% right and I'll always say I'll argue with you all day but I won't argue with spirit right. <laughs> so with that when we went to the Whaley house, um, my kids were smaller and we were walking through it. And I remember um, feeling certain ways through certain parts of the house. Now, some people will say there's an arch in the bottom floor, like a room where they played music and stuff and the family would get together. And people will say that they feel weird in that archway. I didn't feel weird in any part of that room. I also didn't know a large part of the history. They say that's where the hanging of um, Jim. From the beginning. Yeah. What do we call him? Wait, it was funny. Yankee Jim. <laughs> Yankee Jim. <laughs> that's where Yankee Jim was hung. Okay. But I didn't feel anything. And my son, you know, we were going all through where we felt weird. Even my son was like through the bedrooms. All the activity was like upstairs that felt weird. Okay. Then they have the the house has also been used. It's a home, and then there's a general store, there's a courthouse, and there's a theater because all those things the house is also used for as well as their home. Right. So we go into the courthouse, and I remember I because re, I'm a feeler, so I would like put my hands on the banisters and stuff like that, and I'm like. I feel something in this room. So I took a bunch of pictures in there and you can see energy here and there. And I guess some people will say like there's a corner of the courtroom in the area, a corner area where there's like a vortex. Mm -hmm. There's vortexes all over the place, not just Sedona, right. but all over the place. Right. And so I'm not sure about that, but I did feel things in that courtroom and I got pictures of energy but they're flying all over the place then we go into the theater to me that was the most active room and I remember feeling very uneasy in there and there was a security guard and I asked him I'm like who owns this house and he said uh it, it's I think it's people that were family of the family that that lived here you know and so I was like um and they're okay <laughs> they're okay with the house being and he's like I get and I said you know what they're not okay the people that lived in this house who are no longer here they don't like this house being used as a museum they don't like people walking through their house and he was just like looking at me like how do you know lady right. like do you know these people exactly. <laughs> so when we left I told my kids I said I don't think I don't think those the spirit loved ones of that house I I think they want people to get out they want that house to themselves so I don't think about it anymore you know me and my kids we had fun and went to the beach and did all these things came back home it's been all these years later um, I'm watching the YouTube things and people are experiencing kind of the same and in the same areas kind of the same uneasiness is e easiness I don't know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> they get... Nobody's an English teacher, are they? Right. We probably have a few out there. <laughs> yeah, don't leave notes. Um, 
but it's the wine it is uh we've, <laughs> we've hit it pretty good yeah we and have. this one is stronger yeah it is um anyway there was a there's one and it's on youtube and they it it when you're going through YouTube, it lists itself as paranormal activity, the Whaley House or something like that. So it looks scary, but it's not. And there's a woman at first I'm like, oh, they say she's a psychic, blah, blah, blah. Listen, you guys, I'm I am the biggest skeptic of that stuff. <laughs> so I am watching it and she's experiencing all this stuff on the stairway and her nephew and some of the people that work on the property are in the house and they're filming everything and you can see energy orbs flying all around and then she's just sitting on the stairs and she's saying how she can feel somebody choking her they think that it's uh the guy that was let's have some more wine yeah, yeah just a little bit more it's okay i'm surprised i can remember <laughs> I've been talking about him for the last few days, and I can't remember him right now. Thanks, wine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she, um, so she she thinks it's Yankee Jim, okay. and that he's choking. And I guess a lot of people have experienced that, and they automatically think it's him because of the choking. He was hung, right? And so she's sitting there, and she's saying how oh he's upset and blah blah blah. Well, they're trying to use one of those. Um, the detectors, how they, you know, ghost hunters and they yeah. check the temperature or whatever, yeah. and it's not detecting it. You can clearly see there's energy flying all around, but it's not. So they also have, what is it, EMF, where they can record right. their voices. The EVP? EVP, where they yeah. can record the voices. And again, last time I discussed this. If I can hear your voice. You're not settled. Right. <laughs> Remember this, guys. All right. You are an old energy if I'm recording your voice. And so they are hearing as she's experiencing the choking, they can hear a young girl calling out like, daddy, stop or whatever. And um, he's saying, get out and things like Ugh. that. Yeah. Okay. And then she can feel like mm. his foot on her back right right it's just all kinds of stuff but you can see it is it's crazy you can this you can hear that coming but it's the same i'm listening to this but i'm kind of watching this woman interpret and i'm like no it's not yankee jim it's thomas wiley and then i realize wait it's what exactly what was being said to me when i was there it was thomas wiley saying he didn't want people in his house Ugh. oh my gosh i'm getting validation right now so yeah well um when i was watching it yeah i was right. getting validation from everything that i experienced and that i heard that they didn't want people visitors just strangers would you want strangers tra traipsing through no especially if okay so do you think they're settled or they're not settled like Thomas Whaley? He's not settled. Okay. That's his house, yeah. and that's it. There's all the tragedy that happened there. He's hanging on to that house. Have you ever watched The Others? Mm -mm. You have to watch that movie. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about them next time. Scary. It's kind of scary, but it's kind of this thing where they haven't moved on, and they're reliving their life over and over and over again. Right. And it's a period piece. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, uh, I think it's World War One. But it's like, I don't know if it's like England or wherever, but it's it's one of those where the twist at the end is that the family is dead. 
Oh. You think they're alive the whole time. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Oh, I just gave away. No, that's all right. That's all right. It's still interesting to watch. Right. It's a really good movie. I, yeah, I truly believe that he, listen, he built that house from ground up. And then if it's bad memories, those are his memories at that house. And I will say, my sister's constantly like, you need to sell your house. That's my... I own that house. I bought that house. That's, it didn't belong you raised to your kids there. Yeah, yeah, it didn't belong to me and my now ex husband. It belonged to me. That has my name on it. I raised my children there. All their friends come and hang out. There's so many memories there. I get that personal connection right. to a piece of property, but it's the memories that he's hanging on to. And I, I truly believe that. That's why he's, and, and you could hear in the background, his daughter saying, come on, let's go. I think his daughter, the little girl is hanging out because she of doesn't him? want to leave her daddy. Oh, that's so And sad. I think there's maybe a part of it that he won't let her go, but, and with the little girl in the picture that I have, right. I, yeah, I but, took, so talk about this picture, took the picture of this bedroom and there's like, what was that? A rocking horse. Mm-hmm. And and a, a doll in a cradle, I think it was. And I remember telling the we didn't notice it at the time. It was once I got home, I believe. And I told the kids, I think there's a little girl. And I, again, I didn't know all the history. And I remember telling the kids, I think there's a little girl playing with her doll there. And I kept zooming in and trying to debunk this. And then the next picture, it's completely clear. And they were taken like one after another. Right. So one is with the mist and the other one is with nothing at all. So. And I saw this picture. Yeah, you could definitely, there's, you can see the mist over the doll. Yeah. In broad daylight. Yeah, like it, it was, it's like, it's energy creating, I'm getting chills. <laughs> it's energy creating, um, like trying to create itself to an apparition of some sort, but that's what it was. And I caught it and, but people are catching, um, they'll catch an, uh, photo of an apparition of a woman that looks just like Lillian or Vivian or, um, Thomas. Right. So there's lots of pictures and, and YouTube stuff that I, I will be the first one to tell you if I think it's bullshit and that stuff I, I'm going to believe. Wow. Yeah. Ugh. Crazy. But I want to go back. You do? We need to take a road trip. Good. Yeah. We still got to do San Carlos. We do have to do that. But there are, we need to go to um, the Dell. Uh-huh. <laughs> we could that? do, we could do like, a, we could do this in a weekend. We can do the Dell, Queen Mary, and Whaley. All in San Diego. Oh. Hey, I'm always for going to San Diego. I mean, Queen Mary yeah. is Long Beach, but it's, we can do it. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about I mean, that. that's only an hour and a half or so away we can do it let's do it not kidding <laughs> she's like i'm not kidding i'm lady. so ready i just want to <laughs> do it we should and we'll record it and then we'll put it on our patreon i would love see they let all these jokesters go in that house i wish they'd let somebody legit that's me to go in <laughs> <laughs> that's all right girl plug yourself you took a person that it was a complete non-believer. I don't know if I was a non-believer. Or I was more afraid of what what was beyond. Right. Like I believed in the beyond. I just was afraid of what that what was on the other side. Well, and you were taught something for so long. Right. So. I was taught that everything that 
came at you from that side was a demon. Definitely a different mindset. <laughs> Beyond my comprehension. Yeah. I just don't. Are we all reading the same book? I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh God, I need to have a church. <laughs> <laughs> I'll serve wine. The wine church, the church of wine. <laughs> yep. It's wine 30. That's when we'll have it. At wine 30. And we'll serve sweaty balls there too. Oh my God. (laughs) Sweaty balls. Sweaty ball communion. (laughs) With the sweaty balls and wine. Now we're being totally sacrilegious. All right. I'm waiting Um, for the lightning. We're so sorry. Sorry. Okay. It's the wine. I blame everything on the wine. (laughs) Please don't. Hey, you know what? This is when you get the most listeners. Controversy. Right, exactly. The haters turn into lovers. Sometimes. <laughs> hey, you know what? Anyway, that's it for me. I think, you guys, as much as I don't want people to go to the Whaley house because I want to respect them, because I felt that energy and I just felt really bad. I, I really did feel bad. I want you to go and experience it for yourself. I kind of want to go now. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, we're making all these plans. We better follow through. We got to do But I do think we should do the one here first. San Carlos. <gasps> I want to go to Tombstone super bad. I've never been, and there is supposedly lots of stuff going on out the there. The birdcage. I've heard about the birdcage. <gasps> it's super haunted. Come on. If I mean, any- it's not that far. It's only two hours away. Uh, let's do all it. All right. We're, I'm going to write we're these gonna down. We're going to be traveling write podcast. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So that's all you got? That's it. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. It's a super long episode. Hopefully <laughs> I can uh, edit this down for an, to an hour and a half. But um, if I don't, it was hey. an interesting conversation. As always. <laughs> I hope you all like us. All right, you guys. Have a good night. Thank you. This is Alma. Arlene. Signing out. Good night. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Tipsy Tales. Music by Jesse Pesqueda, artwork by Sergio Hernandez. And if you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to rate and review. Thanks.